This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome another edition of the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. we got to talk some USC Trojan football suffering the first loss of the Lincoln-Riley era. 43-42 in Salt Lake City to the Utah Utes. I'm going to talk about that with Chris Trevino, who's joining me on the podcast as always, our normal Tuesday slot. We are not doing a YouTube simulcast this week. I had to uh, step out of town. So we're just going to do the audio version this week. So, uh, you know, for everyone listening on the regular podcasting platforms, that's all the same for you. Sorry if we will not see the video on YouTube, but we'll be doing other ones as well. So uh, we'll be back doing all the regular stuff. It's a bye week, so uh, we won't have our Thursday Tunnel Vision show, but we're probably going to do a Sunday night show and then kind of like a recap of what happened the first seven games of the season. And then next week, we'll be getting ready for the Arizona game. So kind of getting back to normal. We'll do a little you know, weird stuff, I guess, during the bye week and then move on from there. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have that little Apple podcasting app, you know, where you can listen to your podcast on your iPhone or your iPad or wherever, if you do have that, you leave us a five-star rating and review. That really does help uh, to grow the show. We really appreciate all the ratings and reviews uh, from out there. I think we got one new one, it looks like. And it's uh, from George310, five stars. He said, the best podcast in football. Love the podcast, Cilantro Boys, um, FTW. And he has a little, uh, little shade emoji there. So uh, a little shout out for you, Chris, and the Cilantro Boys. Let's go. Let's go. I'm fired up. Thank you, George. I appreciate it for the Cilantro Boys and the Cilantro Boys Army. There's, a, uh, there's an army out there. There is a full-on army. And I'm just happy that, yes, it's a bye week, but we're still here producing content. But I'm just happy that I get a bye week from not from being on video and being alive so I can yawn. I can, <laughs> I can rub my eyes. I can do things that make me self-conscious when I'm on the live stream. So I'm very happy to get at least a reprieve from that this week, Ryan. Yeah, no, it's same thing. Uh, you know, it's, it, I like doing the live shows and stuff, but yes, you have to be like on the whole time because if you look disinterested at all, it's going to be all on video and stuff. But um, yes, so we don't have to worry about that, but it's fun. And you know, we want to do, you know, we've been doing these podcasts 
man, I think we have over 1,600 episodes uh, recorded over the years. So um, it's a lot of fun. I think the video aspect of it adds some some fun as well and people that really get on the, the YouTubes and, and check it out. So we apologize to everyone out there. Wanted to uh, thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, because they've been great to us uh, mm-hmm. over the years. And uh, go to TraderJoe's.com if you want any cool ideas, because not that really we're getting the nip in the air in Southern California. I think we're getting another heat wave. But the rest of the country, you know, it's probably getting a little chillier. I love all the fall different kind of foods that Trader Joe's comes out with. And on TraderJoe's.com, they will have different recipes you can go after. And uh, this one's a pot sticker soup, which looks pretty cool. I don't know if you've had the Trader Joe's chicken goiza uh, pot stickers, but those are legit. But they have a, a cool video and uh, and a recipe to make a soup out of those. So I'm a, I'm a big dumpling guy, pot sticker guy. But you have a little chili onion crunchy in there. Um, it's, it's, it's a cool looking recipe. So you may want to check it out. Uh, are you a pot sticker guy, Chris? I am a 100% mega pot sticker guy. <laughs> I want to actually enter a uh, goza eating contest. Gyoza, sorry, gyoza. Gyoza? Did I say it wrong? Yeah. No, no. I I think I said it wrong. Gyoza eating contest. I want to do that. But the joke is, with my girlfriend, I call it gyoza, which is absolutely wrong, and it drives her crazy. Now everyone says it in our my friend group because I say it like that. So, yeah, I'm a big uh, gyoza fan. So I, I always have to get dumplings or potstickers or or anything like that when I'm out at an Asian restaurant. So I I personally w- will have to try these because, as I just mentioned, big big dumpling guy like you. Me too. I love them. Any kind of dumpling stuff uh, I love. So I want to try this. I love soup too. And uh, like, you know, making soups at home is pretty cool. So uh, when you see a neat recipe like that with stuff that you like that's in it, I would always want to try it. So I'll definitely try that one out. So you can check that out. It's right, right on the front page of TraderJoe's.com. But thanks again to Trader Joe's. Chris, this is the first time we get to talk about a loss in the uh, Lincoln Riley era. 43-42, we were both there in Salt Lake City. Uh, raucous crowd, crazy. The must was going nuts. Very emotional. You got altitude, a lot of stuff. Lincoln Riley talked about just what you had to overcome in that game. And USC did not trail in that game until there was less than a minute left. It was just one of those things that sort of snuck up on you. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of things had to kind of go wrong for USC to lose that game. But they did. They all went wrong. And USC ends up losing. End of the day, probably not a – it's not a bad loss. I mean, obviously, you lose by a point on the road in a crazy environment where – Nobody wins in Salt Lake City, so just to to have the game in hand essentially and lose it that way, I think you know you could go a couple of different directions. We talked to Lincoln Riley earlier today on Tuesday. He talked to some of the players. The gut feeling I got, Chris, is that this is a team that's going to rally around this loss. You can learn from kind of close wins where things don't go exactly right, and you want to try to learn from losses. And you know, I think Riley's talked about this multiple times, where you could go one way or another. I think a lot of his Oklahoma teams that he was a part of had a midseason loss and then they end up going to the playoff. But I feel like this is something just from talking to some of the players after the game on Tuesday, I feel like this is definitely going to be something that propels them in the right direction. It's not going to sink the ship, I guess you could say. Right. It seemed like everybody understood that it was a very tough loss. It was a very narrow loss and they did some good things. Did some bad things, but 
it looked like and felt like just talking to them, as you mentioned, that they were able to process it very quickly and move on from it and realize, hey, yes, it's one loss, one game, a tough one, but we still have six more of these or five more of these, whatever. I can't do math. They have still a second half of the schedule to get through. And lucky for them, they get a bye week. Not lucky for all of them because, as Justin Dietrich pointed, they were anxious to get back out there. They wanted to play four more quarters, especially right after that, right after the loss. But they have this this little, hey, check yourself week, get healthy, work on some tackling, work on some things, work on some team goals, work on some individual goals to get better at throughout this week, get healthy, as I mentioned. So I think this is a definite, definite, definitely a team that has said all the right things after this loss. Seems like they have uh, moved on from it. You know, they took that 24 hours to, to dwell on it, to 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 sink in it, and then, hey, we got to get rid for Arizona. We got to get rid for Cal, Colorado, and we got a big one with UCLA. We got a big rivalry game coming up down the line to end the season. They have a lot of football left to play. Do not listen to those posters that say the season is over. Despite what they think, the season is very much not over. And they're treating it uh, like that. Still a lot, a lot of football to be played, and they have a lot better to get moving forward. Yeah, and I think I think the emotional state of this team is going to bounce back and recover. Do we get any answers as to are they going to fix the problems that they have? Um, I don't know. I mean, Lincoln Riley talked about tackling being a real issue, but we haven't really heard like. Hey, what if UCLA is going to go to their tight end all the time? I mean, to be targeted 16 times and have 16 catches, like that's immaculate. Like they, I don't think you've ever seen anything like that before. You're doing something wrong. I mean, probably multiple things wrong. Not that he needs to tell us like what's going to be corrected, but I, I feel like they're definitely going to get back on track with the the emotional side of things and kind of learn from it. But are there going to be other teams that can exploit, you know, USC's linebackers with, um, you know, great tight end play and, and catching passes. I don't know. I mean, potentially we, we haven't seen, um, you know, we haven't seen improvement there, I guess. Yeah, because we just haven't seen another game. But I feel like they're going to bounce back emotionally. I don't know if they have answers for some of the problems, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that, I mean, that's sort of the big storyline for this bye week. Everyone saw what the offense did up there in uh, Rice-Eccles, Caleb Williams, that performance, but the defense, which has been playing so confidently the last couple weeks, has taken an L. I mean, the whole team took an L, but defense especially. But I always look at it, I look at this one kind of through the context of that first half where they were playing really well. They came to play early, and then one, roughing the passer call. And again, I don't want to, like, harp on it too much and be like, oh, they lost the game because of the penalties. They did it. Definitely influenced the game, but just put yourself in that situation, Ryan, where you're playing really well. You gotta you gotta stop. They missed the field goal. You get a pick when they're driving. You do what your defense has done all season and you didn't bend. You got that interception as the nation leader in in interceptions. And then you got a flag. They score in the very next play. In a in a hostile environment, get the crowd back in. You know, that was a sort of a confident shaking moment for this defense based on a flag. And from there, 
you know, Utah slowly started to build, to build, to build, and became a shootout. And I'm not saying that was the kind of the primary reason, but I think it is a big critical moment you have to look at and be like, hey, this was a, a turning point for this game and for this defense. And Shane Lee was asked, Shane Lee was asked about, you know, that confidence of this defense because it has been a very confident unit through the first uh, uh, stretch of the season. And does a game like this kind of shake that? And he, you know, he kind of played that off. He said, no, not really. Sometimes you have those games and it, it, it's an opportunity for you as a defense to look inward and as individual players to look inward and say, hey, we did not do X, Y, and Z well. We have not done X, Y, and Z well throughout the first uh, slate of the schedule. We have to improve on this. We have to get better at this. This revealed a lot of things that we need to grow from, and now it's up to us to grow from that and become more confident as we move forward because we know we're getting better at these things that we, we struggle with. So it is only a good thing if USC's defense learns from it, learns to handle a tight end who is going super hot, learns to get to the pass rush, learns to get to the quarterback, excuse me, against a very good offensive line, especially if you play a team like Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, which I believe is only allowed one sack through the first half of the season, which is ridiculous. That's not going to fly in the Pac-12 championship. You need to learn how to get to these good pass rushing, pass blocking teams. So a lot of things they can learn from, and it's only it's only worth it if they learn from it and use in the back half of the season. Yeah, they need to for sure. And, uh, you know, we've, We've talked about like the officiating stuff. There was a, it's a bad Pac-12 crew. It was a bad game. They didn't have control. They called too many things, and you know, more bad calls leaned on USC side than on, on Utah side. Whatever we can, you know, all that stuff. That's all true. Um, there was a lot of things USC had under their control or that were in their USC's control that were they weren't able to capitalize on, and you know, getting a key stop. You had so many opportunities. You can't let Utah be perfect on fourth downs, you know, mm-hmm. three for three. You can't let them score on the two-point conversion. I mean, there's a whole bunch of plays that you just needed to stop one of them. No, yes, you got – there was a couple that were stops that got turned over by penalties, but there was a lot of other opportunities to get stops, and you didn't get those, and uh, just needed one, essentially. So, um, there, you know, like you said, no sacks, only the one tackle for loss early in the game. You needed to learn, you know, you got to learn from this because this was a really, I thought it was a poor defensive performance. And some people say, well, that's critical. That's, you know, you're being too critical because, you know, they had a couple extra stops. Sure. Um, that, you know, they were turned over by referees, but still, you know, you put yourself in that position. There was a lot of other opportunities to make stops you didn't make. Um, do we want to do some take it or leave it from the game? Did you? Uh... Yeah, I got a couple uh, that we can uh run through here so i mean this one's kind of it speaks to what we're talking about but take it or leave it that ryan that you learn more good things about this team than bad things yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take that um i learned a lot of good things and i feel pretty good about where this team is um knowing that they had that game in hand i'm not gonna say you're better off being six and one um but you're not, you know, people can write you off like people, you know, and the schedule is going to be a lot softer uh, until you play UCLA and Notre Dame doesn't look very good either. But just knowing that this offense could get back on the track that we saw them on early on, 
uh, showed me a lot, you know, and the fact that they could, you know, I Lincoln Riley, you know, being able to put a Michael Jackson in after a Jordan Addison goes down and him just filling in the spot, you know, it's not like they were like, okay, well, we would throw it to Jordan Addison here. So we're gonna throw it to Michael Jackson and he catches a 20 yard touchdown pass. Um, I feel like that kind of stuff was encouraging getting Josh follow a couple of touchdowns, getting Kyron Hudson, a touchdown that they can spread it around, you know, um, that they could have run the ball more if they wanted to and didn't, and we're still very effective running the football. Um, I think all those things you feel good about this team. You don't feel good about the defensive performance, but you know, to, to miss out on all of those opportunities, that's bad, but I'm not sure you're going to get the same kind of, uh, you know, like a, a UCLA could potentially do something similar, you know, um, and they'll probably run the ball better than what we saw from Utah. But they did actually stop the run pretty well. Uh, the offense was a lot better. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take it because I feel like I've learned a bunch and I don't feel I, you know, I feel pretty good about this team winning the Pac-12 after that. Like if that's that's the best shot you're going to get on the road in this conference, you know, and you almost, you know, you should have overcome it. And you didn't. If you were going to play Utah in Las Vegas tomorrow. I think USC's favored, you know, even though they just lost. So, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Yeah, and I wanted to ask it that way because I feel like most USC fans felt the same way, felt what you just said, that they definitely learned more good than bad. Just just a quick look at the 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 message boards, the P after uh, a couple hours after the game or the next day after the game. It felt like a lot of people were like, I feel more confident about this team moving forward. So just want to get your opinion on that. Next one. USC fans would rather have Eric Gentry back sooner than Jordan Addison if they had to pick one. I'm going to take that, too. Um, You know, I think the linebacker spot, you know, when you look at what this defense has been good at. You know, Eric Gentry was the shining star for the linebackers. Like if he was if you had any linebackers involved in turnovers, it was usually him, you know, disrupting a play. A lot of the turnovers were interceptions, and majority of those are coming from the secondary. You know, the sacks weren't linebacker blitzes or anything. They were coming from the defensive front. What? Where are the contributions from the linebackers? And outside of Eric Gentry, there's not a lot. So I think we've already shown you could replace – I mean, you can't replace Jordan Addison. But whoever was next man up, which was Michael Jackson, comes in, number nine, catches a touchdown – you feel like you got Mario Williams. He can be a number one for sure. And then other guys that are perfectly capable of filling in their roles. So I think as good as Addison is and probably a better overall college football player than Eric Gentry is, I mean, reigning Bolitnikoff award winner, USC is just better equipped to kind of backfill that position than they are uh, at linebacker, which is a problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take that one. Okay, and the guy you mentioned, Michael Jackson, I have a Michael Jackson one. Just wanted to get you on record with it. Take it or leave it, Michael Jackson will have at least two more scores by the end of the year. Ooh. Um, I'm gonna, think about it. Chew on it. Digest I'm gonna take it. it. I know, it's not good oh. podcasting to think. I'm going to take this one, too. I'm going to take them all. Um, okay. Because I feel like. You get that breakthrough play. Um, confidence I think there. There's confidence. You know that, I mean, if you're Caleb Williams, 
is that the first pass you've ever thrown to Michael Jackson? That is right. Like he was mm-hmm. never been targeted and he catches it. Not only just, it wasn't like he was standing alone in the end zone. He ran, you know, he ran in and made a play. Made he a did make made. a play. Yeah. So shout out to Taj Washington for the block too. He did get a good block there. And so I feel like there's no reason why Caleb Williams wouldn't want to throw him again. Uh, now we, you know, we, we didn't talk about injuries yet, but we have the Jordan Addison, at least from what, Lincoln Riley told us on Tuesday, he's day to day, didn't think it was going to be something that was, I think, what the word like significant time, long term, long term, long term. Now, we have to take what he says about injuries with a grain of salt. I don't necessarily buy almost anything he's saying, but you have to look at the possibility that Addison might be out for a little while. Well, if that's the case, I mean, Michael Jackson's probably going to get a lot of playing time. I think he, if, if Jordan Addison's out for a couple of games, I think you're going to see. Michael Jackson definitely gets some opportunities to score. And even if he doesn't, I feel like he's now proven himself and you're not going to have an issue. You know, if Addison comes back and you're like, he's maybe not hundred percent, you're not going to feel terrible when you put Michael Jackson in there and have him play a little more or just give him playing time, you know, in general, not, you know, if, if Addison's hundred percent healthy, you still want to do it. So yeah, I'm going to take that one. I think he's going to get a couple more scores this year. And it's interesting just with Addison from injury standpoint because Ryan, look at the schedule for USC. It's not it's very soft going into yeah. that UCLA game. You know, you have Arizona, which I think is a little feisty, but still not great. Cal, nowhere close to the offensive firepower to handle uh to keep up with USC. And then Colorado is just uh double butt, I guess, compared to Stanford, but at least they got a win. Yeah, it's, you don't need Jordan Addison for that stretch, essentially. You have the weapons to get it done. But also, Jordan Addison needs his numbers. He needs those catches. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they hold him back a little bit or how much they put him in, depending on where his health is, standing off this uh, this bye week. And, yeah, just to reiterate, I said this on total, uh, excuse me, incident analysis after practice based on what Lincoln said about Eric Gentry and Jordan Addison that they – don't appear to be long-term injuries, and they're considered day-to-day. I take all Lincoln Riley injury updates with a big old grain of salt because he does not like to talk about injuries, and I will never assume that he is telling the full truth to us as media. So that's just my warning. You can believe whatever you want him to believe, but that is just my warning. I do not take any injury update he gives uh, as face value. So that's just my, my, my PSA on the topic. No, now, I agree with you 100%. There you go. Uh, another one. Uh, take it or leave it. Josh Follow is USC's best tight end on the roster. Wow. Uh, he was like a media darling today. Um, he did He did media scrum. Keeley got a one-on-one with him. Um, you know, I've always thought he has the potential to be the best tight end. And, you know, catching those two touchdown passes in one game you know, on the road – one of them, you know, you're making a play and, and running it in. Um, you know, I'll take this one, too. You know, I like Malcolm okay. Epps a lot. Uh, I like. We're Lincoln only going Curry. off one game. We're just going off one game. But he has played well the last couple games in terms of being a blocker. He's Yeah, and, and Lincoln Riley mentioned that today um, about it wasn't just the touchdowns. It was the way he was coming in and and pushing people around. And uh, I feel like he always had that potential and there's a good story there with him. And, you know, he admitted that he didn't, you know, wasn't doing things the way he should. And I, and I think Lincoln Riley appreciated that, that it wasn't all like 
he could have came in and said, oh, the coaches didn't want me or whatever. He wasn't doing all the right things. And he admitted that. And now that, you know, it feels like he's doing it. He feels like he's bought into the culture and sort of waited his turn and boom. And I feel like he's got a great mix of everything you would want in a tight end. And, uh, you know, to, to, to make a play like that when the last big play he made was what, 2019, um, that's a long, long time off between plays for, right. a, for a college player. So screw it. I'm going to say, I'll take <laughs> it. And he's going to be the best one. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'm always been a really big Josh Follow fan, especially coming out of high school. I mean, if you don't remember, like I tweeted this out, like this is just a reminder that that first catch he had was just a 100 percent certified snag out of the end zone for for him. Just go back and put on some of his his highlights out there when he was coming out of NorCal. He was a guy. He was just, you know, he was kind of that, you know, that flex out tight end kind of more uh, big wide receiver than true tight end. But the guy had a catch radius on him that was like uh, a bus. I don't know. It was just so, so much length. And he was a end zone weapon, just a moss machine, kind of like maybe like Jacoby Lane, the current USC 2023 wide receiver commit. We're getting a little too starry here, uh, Ryan. But just – incredible athletic ability and red zone weapon and we saw him play early and then he just kind of fell off the map with injuries and just not being able to break into rotation there was always you know worry that he was going to end up seeking uh transfer elsewhere but credit to him stuck around we're seeing him make plays now and i'll always remember uh ryan i don't know if you remember this or this memory is in your brain but him catching that critical pass that sealed up the uh, Pac-12 championship in 2017. How long ago was that? Holy cow. 2017, yeah. That's crazy. Like five years ago, yeah. He and, he and he just had like a random catch. I believe it was like the first down catch for to, to ice the game against Stanford? Stanford, is that, is that right? It might have been Stanford, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's what I remember because I was on the field for that. 2017. I mean, with the COVID year, this is weird stuff. Chase McGrath kick, kicks a game-winning field goal for Alabama. He was – didn't he have, like, a game-winning for field Tennessee. goal? Like, for, I'm sorry, for Tennessee against Alabama. That season, yeah, against Texas. Yeah, because – 2017, he get the game-winner against Texas. Yeah. It's in his blood. It's. I mean, it's insane. That was a long time ago. Like, holy cow. Like, that was a whole is, different – the world was literally different. It was. It was a different time, literally. I mean, literally, so long we had way. like three years of COVID. That was like three years before COVID. <laughs> you know, like it's insane what uh, people like didn't like Clay Hilton back then, but they didn't hate him like they did. You know, so not, he had just well, that that Bowl. that yeah, I mean that didn't change. People disliked Clay. That did not change. That is still, and that was and that was like Chase McGrath. Like he was taken over for Matt Bormeister, who won the Rose Bowl, and then was kicked off the team, and so he comes in and hits the game winner. Like, yeah, all this crazy stuff. And now he's hitting game winners, like knuckleball kicks against Alabama. To I mean, just crazy stuff, this college football. You store all this data in your head, and then to be able to talk about it on a podcast five years later. That's why we do this, <laughs> uh, Ryan. And I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, this is so kind of in the similar vein of Josh Follow and Michael Jackson. 
take it or leave it, the defense will have its own sort of, quote-unquote, Josh Fallow or Michael Jackson on the defensive side step up for them in the back half of the season. So someone that maybe hasn't been playing a lot in the first half of the season but is going to be a contributor on the defensive side of the ball, someone we're not talking about or haven't talked about in the first half of the season. They will have that. Take it or leave it. You know, I think I'm going to leave that one. Okay. I feel like we know who the defensive players are. Um, you know, there are people that are waiting for guys to just come out of nowhere and emerge and just be like, you're going to say, you know, is Rayshon Davis going to come in and save the, the linebacker core? Like if they saw what they wanted to see from Rayshon Davis in fall camp or spring ball or any of the game practices, he would have been playing, you know, he'd have been getting their stuff. So I just don't know. There's a guy coming off the bench that comes in and lights a spark in front of everybody. Um, you know, I I feel like you know who's going to be good, and then those guys are are out there playing. You know, there's the Tuleys and the Kalen Bullocks, and you know the we knew Eric Gentry was was doing a lot of good stuff. I mean, Nick Figueroa, whoever it is, uh, I feel like we know you know what those guys are capable of doing. I'm just I'm having a hard time picturing someone just coming off the bench and being like, wow, and then going, why wasn't he playing all year? You know. Um, I don't think you're going to say that about like Michael Jackson or even like a Josh follow, you know, like you were getting contributions, but they could come in. And I think it's easier to do that on the offensive side of the ball. Um, on the defensive side, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, who the dudes are. And uh, so I don't think we're going to be surprised. I don't know, what do you think? I've gone back and forth with this. I would probably leave it as well, but I feel like there are some options for guys that could come in. And contribute, maybe like an Earl Barquette stepping up. Uh, Rajon Davis is a popular one. Chris Thompson Jr., former safety turn linebacker, who's been hurt for the most for the for the most part of this schedule, and recently has just gotten healthy. He's played on special teams. Maybe he could be a guy for his coverage skills. Certain packages, we'll see. Damani Jackson, who has uh, been missing the last couple of weeks, you know, he's still out there to be. Maybe play more and more in the back half of the season. We'll have to see. To Stevie Nomura is a guy, you know, made that big third down tackle uh, to set up fourth and one over there in, in Salt Lake City. So I, I feel like there are some guys out there. But like you said, I think it, it'll take something special for them to kind of pop and maybe stand out and, and earn more playing time like like on the offensive side has had had guys step up. Yeah. It just it's just harder to do on the, on the defensive uh, side. But hey, Solomon Bird came out of nowhere to uh, to help out in the first half. So maybe they'll they'll catch somebody else like that. Yeah, no, I feel I mean, his name came to mind right away, you know, and someone that got five snaps uh, in the rice game and just kind of burst onto the scene. I don't know, man, like they've had enough defensive problems that I think we would have seen any more Solomon Birds if they were on the roster right now. But. Okay, we're just uh, setting it up for Latrell McCutcheon to come in and catch uh, three interceptions down the stretch. We're just setting it up. We're just exactly, it up. exactly. But that's all I got for you for take it or leave it. Nice. Well, that's good. I think we have a good uh, feel for what this team was doing uh, in the in the Utah game. I think you probably got a good feel from what we thought and here and instant analysis and uh, the Helium Boys podcast and all that. So hopefully you guys uh, got your feel with that. 
I do have one more. Okay. Take it or leave it. Gerard and I are the reason USC lost because we didn't do a composite two-star recruit that week. Oh, I'll take that. For okay. Sure. Fair yeah. enough. Make me feel definitely, worse. Definitely, definitely take that one. No. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all right. You guys need a break every once in a while. The, the shows are very popular. Um, a lot of people love just hearing you guys talk USC recruiting. Uh, but a lot of people were upset. We didn't do a, a Thursday show. Maybe that's why we didn't do the Tunnel Vision show. Um, Jack was uh, so I took from, off, and you were like, "Oh, they took off. Let's just ah, let's just not do the Thursday." Well, Jack had laryngitis, and so I was like, "All right." So a legitimate could, excuse. There was like a legitimate excuse, like he couldn't talk, you know. And so it was sort of like later in the game. I did I could have put something together earlier in the week, but it was just like, "All right, you know, we'll skip it." And uh, we've talked a lot about this game. So maybe that was it. I don't know. I don't know, Ryan. I can't talk either, and you still make me come on this show. So you can, <laughs> if you literally can't talk, you just tell me, and then you you know you don't have to be on the show. But it's one of those things. We got we got, you know rub some dirt on it. We got to play. We got to play through the pain. It's like you know seven games into the season, man. It's uh, we're all going to be nicked up a little bit. We got to just fight through it and uh, and persevere. There's only 12 of these a year, man. We got to got to got to bring your best for all of them. There you go. Inspiring words from Ryan Abraham, publisher and fearless leader of usfootball.com. I don't know about fearless, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I try that. But we were out there um, at practice this morning, uh, checking stuff out. Just to remind everybody, we are not allowed to comment on injuries as far as stuff we see. Only what Lincoln Riley says uh chris and i always kind of gave you the update on what that was we don't really know the status of jordan addison uh we don't know the status of eric gentry he was just saying they're day-to-day aren't we all day-to-day everybody's day-to-day literally Um, everyone we are all day-to-day and uh, i'm more i'm more minute to minute but yeah yeah those two dudes we don't know uh it's a bye week i think there's going to be some guys that are just going to be rested the feel you get though from lincoln riley when he was talking today chris was about like they practiced last night apparently monday night they practiced this morning really hard he was asked about how do you balance i believe it was balance the word balance, yes balance was how balance, do you balance yeah. you know needing to tackle better so you try to get out there and be physical versus Wanting to save your players because they, uh, you know, want to get them injured. And he's like, there's no balance. Like, it doesn't matter if your players are healthy. If you don't tackle well, that, you know, that, that your doesn't players matter. are healthy. Like, doesn't, yeah, matter. doesn't matter. So from what he was saying, this is like, we're going all out. You know, this is a situation where we're going to get after this. So he wasn't really specific about what, you know, how terrible the defense was or what they're going to do to get better and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't sound like he's taking the foot off the gas. Like they wanted to get out there and practice right away. So they practice on Monday. They're practicing Tuesday. They'll do Wednesday. We'll get to hear from uh, Alex Grinch for the first time. For the first time. Yeah. uh, On Wednesday. But uh, it sounds like they're not uh, backing off. They're not going to just, you know, take it easy uh, and let guys rest during the bye week. Do you think they would have taken it? This is just a completely like, devil's advocate hypothetical do you think they would have taken it a little bit easier as opposed to what sounds like they've they've kicked it up a notch on the bye week do you think they would have gone a little bit easier if they had won that game 
I think it's a good point. And I think um, potentially, yeah. Uh, I think if they would have won that game, say, say the two-point conversion fails, and yeah. it's not like a defensive play. It's like literally for the first time all game, um, KK just execute. drops the ball yeah. or something. Yeah. And USC escapes with the win. You still got the problems. You still gave up 300 and or whatever, 234 yards to a tight end who didn't miss a pass until the last one in, in this scenario. Um, you know, over five, almost 500 yards for Cam Rising alone. Uh, I think in that case, Chris, you know, you got to get that right. So, but if it was like a, you know, a win where it just sort of was like, okay, you know, Utah had an okay game and USC won by a touchdown, maybe you, you don't push as hard, but. I think you can learn a lot from from wins, and uh, you know sometimes you need like a wake up call for a win. I think the Oregon State game w- was like sort of a wake up call that they played better in this noise, and we'll we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, I think if they won and it was more a little more comfortable and it wasn't like the glaring issues, then maybe they won't go as hard. Yeah, is it like if that penalty doesn't happen, they get interception, go up twenty one nothing. Utah can't recover, crowd can't recover, and they win, I don't know, like 42-28 or something, then I think we're seeing a little bit more of a a relaxed bye week instead of a ramped up bye week. Yeah. Just because, think- yeah, just because you, you got through it, you, ha- you got through your hardest game of the schedule, let's get some guys healthy, we'll still self-scout and learn what we have to do, but you definitely earned a little more rest than a little than a harder push. And I think that's a good sort of segue. I mean, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but I was always curious about, and always, but I mean, I've been curious since this game about how the USC would do in another tough environment. And I felt like they learned stuff from Oregon state where they look sort of confused, like, Holy cow, what are we doing? And I thought they'd get a lot of that cleaned up. And I think they did. And I got to talk to Justin Dietrich for a while this morning about that. And uh, he said, you know, sort of like that initial shock, like at Oregon State, he felt that the Oregon State crowd might have been louder. Um, at least it felt louder on the field. Now, he said the last minute of the game or whatever, that got really loud. Um, but I think USC only had one false start up until like the last drive. They got a couple. Um, and when everything was crazy, there was only 30 seconds left or whatever it was. Um, but they, I feel like that's something that that was a win that they learned from. And if you remember, like we were talking about that 2017 season where USC got pushed around by Notre Dame. You remember that you get pushed Mm -hmm. around by Ohio state. Um, those were losses that I feel like Clay Helton and their staff didn't learn from, didn't make any changes on the coaching staff sort of just stayed status quo and even a uh, Washington state that year. Right. Yeah. And like, I you, think that was the first one, the first road one. And I feel like you didn't learn that what the line deficiencies that you had on the lines, you know, and that's, I think this is a sign of good coaching that you won the game and sometimes you can just win and you're like, okay, so everything we did was right. Cause we, we won, you know, and I feel like they, Figured out, no, we did a lot of sh- we did a lot of stuff wrong, and learned from it. And so it was interesting to kind of hear like Dietrich talk about that, um, how they felt more comfortable. Even just, you know, some of the stuff they were doing, I was like, what are you doing? Caleb Williams is running up and talking to each individual lineman. 
Um, Dietrich said like that last, that last drive, like he couldn't hear the person next to him. So it was like really, it was really loud, but it wasn't loud. The most, the rest of it, you know, like USC kind of took the crowd out for a lot of it, but you know, you, Caleb Williams was going up and changing the play. And when you're doing that in a hostile environment, it can be like a fire drill, right? It can be, it's like emergency mode. When they were doing that against Oregon State, it looked like it was emergency mode, but nobody knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. This looked like they knew what they were doing and they executed it. And it was like, I'm, I, to me, I'm like, why are you even bothering to change the play? Just run it. Um, you're just putting yourself in a tough position because we saw what happened when they tried all that stuff at Oregon State. So whatever they they did something logistically to fix it. So it was a little rushed. It was a little like, hey, we got to do this. But it was handled and it was executed well. So I feel like this. Another encouraging aspect for you feel better about this team is they learned from a narrow win against Oregon State. And, you know, now you're hoping they're going to learn from a narrow loss here at Utah. That that sound, Ryan, that you're listening to is a bunch of USC fans looking up the definition of good coaching because they don't they don't (laughs) so foreign to them. Yes, it is a prime example of good coaching just hey we sucked at this let's work on it let's improve on it and let's uh execute the next time we're out there and they absolutely did that it's one of the reasons why i picked utah for this game again congratulations uh on taking the lead in the the pick'em don't let it get to your head don't let it get to your head but that was one of the reasons all I've done is picked USC to cover on five and two. So there you go. Why. There you go. That would never. You would have slapped yourself if you if your if uh, future self told you that three years ago. No, I, I would pick USC to not cover every single game. And yeah. this year I pick them to cover. Well, why? Because look what you said. They're coached they well. Yeah. Yeah. And I should have trusted them more. Should have trusted them more. But I went with the Utes. In a, in a tough place, I, I got the glory of picking Utah, but not the glory in the betting world of picking the cover. So to, for that, I lose. For that, I accept my my loss. But, yeah, that was kind of the big if for me was what the offense is going to look like in that stadium, in that Rice Eccles Stadium, in that blackout, in that hostile environment. And they passed with flying colors. They couldn't get it done at the end, obviously. I, I don't put that on them. I put that on limitations of – having enough time or whatever, but I think if there's more time, I think they absolutely would have done it. But there we have it. They they performed well, and that's going to be something that they take with them moving forward. And I know they have a game in the Rose Bowl coming up, but that'll be more of a neutral game, but still should be a a electric environment if, if things hold up as they, as they are for that UCLA-USC game. So I still think there are things they can take from that and, and use for another big game on the horizon. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, like you, know, you got to play one more real road game at Arizona, uh, a team that has been really fun to watch on offense and just an absolute dumpster fire led by Johnny Nansen on the defensive side of the ball. Like it's hard to imagine USC scoring less than 50 in that game. Um, but, you know, USC's defensive struggle at times, like Arizona might put up a bunch of points too. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. I mean, Jaden Delore is going to make some mistakes. Like, he's going to throw some picks. He's going to get sacked. Um, so, USC will get some stops that way. They'll probably give up a bunch of yards. They'll probably give up, 
you know, maybe 35 points or something, but still win by like 20, you know, against Arizona. And then, you know, Colorado, you mentioned, they were one of the worst teams we'd ever seen. They fired their coach. They go into the, the bye week and they come out really inspired. Are they going to keep that up with the interim coach? I don't know. USC's best game last year, interim coach, was the Washington State game right afterwards. Um, and Cal, who a few weeks ago scored 49 points. You're like, wow, that's, you know, Jake Plummer, Jack Plummer comes in. Maybe they're going to be pretty good. Um, and they've been awful since then. I mean, scored nine against Washington State. Would they score like, I mean, lose to Colorado, like the worst team that we had seen in a long time. So it, it doesn't look like USC, if they play anywhere near their potential, there's any way USC wouldn't be nine and one uh, going into the UCLA, UCLA game, you know, uh, which is a good place to be. You can kind of get right. You get the bye week. And if you have, you know, a couple of those key players that were out for a game or two during that stretch, do you get them back for the rivalry games? It's setting up pretty well, Chris, I think, you know, for, for USC to still be, you know, in a, in a really good position. Absolutely. Absolutely. It sets up really well. And I, I'm excited to cover that game when it gets there. But we have some uh, some interesting games before that. Interesting in the terms of who's going to be playing against, you know, the likes of Cal, Colorado and Arizona. I just want to say, Ryan, I'm very disappointed that they decided to put the pay-per-view showdown of Lincoln Riley versus Johnny Nansen on Pacto Network. Uh, yeah, that could be that could be like an offensive clinic, you know. <laughs> I'm uh, excited so I, to see it, though, in person. I will be in Tucson on the ground and I will get to see Johnny Nansen sweat it out. I get going up against uh, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, uh, it's, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, with just you know, just watch Arizona. They're they're you were talking about good coaching like. They're coached well, you know, way better than what you'd seen before. I think Jed Fish is doing a really good job. They brought in some good talent. They can be exciting. Uh, they got three, like, legit receivers. You know, a Jaden Delora, we saw what he did last year. Um, didn't play very well against USC from what I remember when he was at Washington State. But, you know, he can be like a feast or famine kind of dude. But they're, they're going to be fun. You know, they're going to win some games. Their schedule this year was just absolutely brutal. Um, maybe if USC had come off a win against Utah that Arizona wouldn't get the full attention of a, a, a really upset and angry, like, you know, kicking the hornet's nest kind of USC team, which I think that's what you're going to get. I mean, they could put up some points. In the I just want to say very quickly that Arizona is allowing close to 40 points per game. Hmm. They're allowing over 200 yards on the ground. Uh, they are allowing... There's this over close to 250 passing yards, and they are second to last in the Pac-12 with 454 yard total yards allowed per game, uh, just beating out Colorado. How yeah. many points would <laughs> Lincoln Riley need to score for them to just like take DC uh, privileges away from Nansen? Seventy? I, mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Michael Penix threw for 500 yards against them last week. Like, who's who's a dude? He's looked like legit sometimes. You know, Penix has been really good, and he's had some bad weeks. But for him to throw for five bills against that defense, like, holy cow, man. Like, yeah, I don't know if you could 
get Johnny Denson fired. I you're think, saying that I'm not saying get him fired, but that that would probably be. I mean, uh, it, I think his tenure is going to be over after this year, uh, as far as the DC goes. I mean, Fish was definitely in the talent acquisition business. We saw that with with Oregon, the way they put that staff together, right? Well, if you you know, if game days get screwed up, then you sort of like, well, we want talent, but we need to be able to like coach him up too. So, um, if I, I, don't, I have no idea, I haven't talked to anybody at, at in Tucson, but my guess, Chris, is this: he's not going to be the DC next year. But who knows? They let Cal score forty nine points. That's wild. Yeah, that's Cal wild. Has been awful, <laughs> and they scored forty nine points against Arizona. Like Cal, who scored nine and twelve or something in the last two weeks. <laughs> Put up 49, a 49 burger. Arizona, okay, Arizona's three lost in the Pac-12 three times. They've given up 49 points in all of them, every single one, even Cal. I I think USC can beat 49. I'm just yes. saying that right. Like now. If Cal can score 49 in this defense, USC should in theory score 150, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> in theory, we're getting way too into uh, Arizona. Uh, prep uh, preview, I, but I just needed to comment on that. I just needed to comment on the heavyweight showdown of Lincoln versus Nansen. I just I love to- it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Anything else you wanted to chat? Like anything else from practice today you wanted to talk about? No, I mean Justin Dieter shaved his mustache, and I may have accidentally put on instant that if I get 20k, I'll shave my mustache. So <sighs> that kind of just came out. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see if that gains traction anywhere or maybe just, it was a throwaway line and no one will pick up on it. But also repeating it on this podcast is probably not the smartest thing to do, but just shaving his mustache after a loss. That was his thing. And my next question is what would he shave next if they take another loss? Ooh. Uh, yeah. So I, I walk up, so I think Keely was about to talk to Dietrich and I walk up there too. And and we had asked, like, where's the mustache? And it's like, clean, you know, clean slate. We lost. So, you know, shave it off. Um, so you think he would, like, shave a reverse mohawk in his head or something? If they, Yeah. Is that what you or, want? Or, 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 like, his mutton chops? Does he have – not mutton chops, but does he have sideburns? Maybe sideburns? I don't know. I think it's clean. He's pretty clean shaven right now. Yeah. I think okay. it's yeah. – uh, Might have to be might have to be the whole head. I don't know. Like, buzz cut. Like, a buzz cut himself. One eyebrow? Oh uh, yeah, maybe that, that's a little too much, but that's a, that's a lot. That's like a fraternity pride that's, or something. Yeah, that's like so you'll shave your mustache if you get the 20k. That's a that's that a is lot. that is not what I said, but I would look so weird mustacheless, but with the full beard still. That would look well, so you, weird. Just shave it all, like you I look am, I look Amish. You would shave the whole thing, like just no 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 not no just the mustache. I work so hard on this beard. And it's a shitty beer, too. So <laughs> I put in a lot for this. This is like the best it's going to get. Does your girlfriend like the beard or no? Yeah. She does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then. And I like the beard, too. It can get uh, annoying, but I like the beard. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, shaving your mustache for 20,000 followers is like a thousand times easier than, like, permanently putting ink on your body for 10,000 followers or 18,000 or whatever it is. I'd rather have the ink than look Amish is what I'm saying. Really? Like, cause the, the mustache will grow back. Like that we know is, of the ink is forever. It, it's my brand. It's my brand. You know? Okay. 
Well, you get, we got to get you to 18K. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. We're getting there. Chris Antrovino, go follow him on the Twitters. Uh, go check us out on the TikTok, too. I just put a TikTok video up of uh, Caleb There you Bullock. go. There you go. Hopefully that does uh, that does well. I was, it's funny. I was talk, talking to uh, a friend of mine that covers Oklahoma. You might have heard of them. Um, and I had mentioned when we would put up, like, you know, so Latrell McCutcheon, who, you know, came over from Oklahoma, Mario Williams doing great things. Obviously, Caleb Williams doing great things. We just haven't seen much of Latrell McCutcheon, but he's still popular with, Oklahoma fan. So we would put up a video of him on TikTok and it would do a lot better than a lot of the other ones just because there was, and, and my buddy was like, yeah, there's probably just angry Oklahoma fans wanting to get in the comments and stuff. So um, yeah, but go follow us on TikTok at the Peristyle. Yeah. Follow us. And I think that has something to do with him being a former child star, child reality star on that show, Friday Night Tykes. Oh yes, uh, okay. Which was that's where he had sort of a little cult following. He was like a peewee legend out there in San Antonio, Texas. So that also aids, adds to his uh, TikTok clout, if you will. We are chasing the Latrell McCutcheon TikTok clout. So Love that it. that that's the that's the formula. Okay. Well, I think that's about it then. Why don't we just take a quick break? So I'm remote. So Chris is doing everything in the studio. This is weird. I don't know if I've ever been on this side of things. Maybe it did this I have all the power. once before. Yeah, you have all the power. Like, I can't hit the button to go to break. I think I might have done this with Keeley once or something, but this is just a little weird. You know, Chris in the studio. But why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, answer some of your questions. Sounds good. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And right. we're back. Oh, oh. sorry. I, I, no, I, that's you. I, okay. <laughs> you're, you're you're controlling it. It's, it's just habit because I work the board on composite and then I, I go into it, but I totally forgot what, what I was doing. So no, it was habit. It, it, no, it's perfect. Even when I said like, uh, you know, when, when I kind of tossed us to go into break, you said something after I tossed us going to break, which felt really weird, but you're the one controlling You could say something and then hit the button. So, yeah. As I usually say something before we go to break with Gerard, <laughs> I'd be like, Gerard, let's, we're going to do this and this. We'll take a break. He's like, sounds good. I'd be like, all right, we'll be back after the break. And then I lead us back in. So I'm, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got some emails. Now, I'm, I apologize uh, because I'm not there. Uh, I'm not downloading the – we had some voicemails and stuff, so my apologies. We're not going to get to those 
this week. Also didn't do a Harvey Hyde show because we had a, a conflict as far as schedules and stuff go. So uh, I know we had got a bunch of voicemails. My apologies. We will try to get to those um, next week. It's a bye week. So maybe we can play uh, some of the voicemails next week that, you know, we knew they came in from the game if they're still uh, relevant, but we do got some, we have some emails and uh, text message, I think, but let's go to Frank and Fresno. He says, and he sent us a picture, but I know you can't see it because we're not doing the, the video portion of this, but he says, uh, I was watching a few games yesterday and flipped to this game. Uh, and he saw an SC signal card during, during the BYU Arkansas game. So this was also in Utah where we were. We saw a lot of Arkansas fans on the airplane uh, and the hotels just around town because Arkansas fans came in because mm-hmm. they had to go to Provo. But on the BYU sidelines, it shows uh, a picture. I can't can't really tell from it if it's like a Tiger King picture or something. And then SC, like an SC logo on one side. And then there's another card that has like a horse on it and something else. So we've seen people use these cards before. He said, weird, but cool. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you saw that before, Chris, but it is kind of funny when, and does that mean USC is nationally relevant again, that their people are using their logo on, uh, on their game cards? I think so. Yeah. Now they're officially back. We can say that now. But I see if I was doing that, I would put like obscure ones, like, you know, shotguns, like, um, like Negro league, like baseball hats and stuff. I would put like some, you know, put like a Mercer logo or something, something that you wouldn't see all the time. You know, like if you put like Alabama, I was like, oh, whatever, but. I'd put like some obscure logo, like Akron Zips or something. I would do the uh, the photo pinned to my Twitter of my 10K tattoo. Oh, I like that. Yeah. We do the uh, banana slugs. Was it UC Santa Cruz? Like th- that'd be kind of fun. Uh, they with the t-shirt was in uh, Pulp Fiction, I believe. Uh, I says, okay, we're cool. He said, watch the SC game. Tough game that we should have won. We got to fix the defensive struggles real quick if we want to get that conference title game. Frank and Fresno fight on, and he has got like five uh, fight on emojis. Uh, do you think they got to fix that stuff? To, I, I mean, I think USC could like play okay and still make the Pac-12 championship game at this point, which it seems a little weird. But if you want to win the conference, I think you're going to have to play better. But USC is a pretty good spot that if they play okay, they still have a, a decent shot at, at making the title game somehow. Yeah, they have a really good shot to make the title game. Just got to handle business. You know, like you said, doesn't need to be like world beaters. They could certainly look like world beaters against these next three teams. But all that matters is what you bring to that UCLA game. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's going to be the big one. I mean, you can't stubble your toe against Mm -hmm. some of these other teams. But uh, the big one's going to be UCLA. And, you know, you'll be watching for sure. What happens when uh, the Bruins go up to Oregon game day, top 10 teams, um, but got to be USC. Got to be Oregon fans. Got to be Oregon fans. Yeah. UCLA fans really enjoyed watching USC go to Utah and lose a heartbreaking fashion. Will USC fans get the same sort of joy coming this week? I, I don't know, but I, I like the position USC is in. Uh, you know, if you're Utah, uh, you got to play in Eugene. If you're UCLA, you got to play in Eugene. If you're Oregon, you got to play UCLA and Utah. USC has one, you know, of the top four games left. They just have one, and it's UCLA. And it's on the road, but it's in the Rose Bowl, which is not a road game. So that's more of like a neutral site game. So if you're going to say like what you know the the road to get to uh, one of those top two spots, 
USC's road's probably the easiest, even coming off uh, off of that loss to Utah. Uh, let's see. We got Ray in Pasadena. He says, I'm trying not to curse when explaining my emotional letdown. With all the hype about the super coaching staff and the influx of quality athletes, I actually thought we would win this game against Utah. But as usual, a subpar performance by the coaching staff, apparently unable to make adjustments. And a subpar performance by the team, especially the defense. I suspect we will get our asses kicked by Notre Dame. Did you? Did he just say that? And get embarrassed by a strong UCLA team. In the end, we will go home and watch others play in postseason games. Or we will go to, and he, he's used a, a, a curse word there, a crap bowl and play either Fresno State or San Diego State in the Who Cares Bowl. Another lost season. Thanks, guys. Ray and Pasadena. I think this is a, some PTSD going on. What, what would you say, Chris? I would say they won four games last year. That's what yes. I would say. And second point, Notre Dame lost to Stanford at home. Like, come on. USA already beat Stanford on the road, right? By multiple touchdowns. Yes. Like, it wasn't close. Um, Notre Dame is awful. I can't score. Yeah. Like, if you want to talk about a team that couldn't get out of its own way, this was a 4-8 and eight team that wasn't losing close games. This was a 4-8 team out. that was getting curb stomped by every, by Stanford who went three and nine by Oregon state of course by Utah. Like anybody that came around the Coliseum was an abysmal place to play. You're getting killed at home by teams that you had a lot more talent than if you can't see the difference between last year and there's still a lot of those guys on this team and this year it's coaching. Did Lincoln Riley call a perfect game? No. Did the coaching staff screw up stuff in this game? Yes. Did he screw up the time at the end of the game? I 100% agree he did. He screwed that up. But he's so so much better than everything that's going on. You're going to have bad games. This was a bad game. There was a lot of stuff that went wrong. They did a lot of stuff right. I mean, the, the offense looked a lot better. They handled it. You know, they, they did some things well. If this was a Clay Helton coach team, they'd lose by a hundred. You know, like they, they should over have won this time. one. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel I I know what you're saying. Like you've been through this before, but you have to like see the forest through the trees. You have to realize how much better things are now than they were then, and that this was that the fact that he could take a roster that was where it was last year and turn it into one that you would actually be in the conversation of potentially making the playoff even now after losing that game you you saw the other email usc's logo was up in the the arkansas byu game they're They're nationally relevant again they're getting picked on college game day like that this is night and day from last year so to equate it in any way shape or form it's i don't think i don't think you're being fair at all the season's over ryan Season's over. I don't know. Do you, do you kind of agree or? Yeah, I agree 100% what you're saying. And I don't even want to spend more time talking about this. Perfect. Yeah, that was kind of a, a bad email. Um, there's no bad questions, but there's some bad questions. Uh, let's go. The text message uh, from Andrew and Marietta. Hmm. Uh, very painful loss. Deep down, we all know USC didn't have the talent to run the table this year, but it still hurts. To me, this is almost a silver lining. This is the first time in 14 years since the 2008 uh, Oregon State loss, that a loss has uh, felt 
this painful somehow or somewhat an ob, 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 excuse me somewhat an odd observation to make but it makes me feel like USC is trending in the right direction great work guys and of course fight on Ryan that's that's called healing mm. the fact that you feel so deeply and painfully about this loss means what Ryan that you care the USC fans have not cared in a long time well I say that loosely, but they were numb to these kind of losses, numb to a road loss in a against a top 25 team. Those are the games that this program has lost consistently over the last several years. But this was a game where USC very easily could have won. They're healing. They're learning to love again, and they can feel pain again. That's a great sign, I think. I, I agree with you, Chris. And I... It's kind of interesting you would say that this one hurts more. I, to me, if I'm a USC fan and just looking at this, it sucks to lose games. You don't want to lose games. But I would feel better after this, knowing that you took, you know, the best shot of everything. And I, I think Lincoln Riley put it well. Like, there was a lot to overcome in this game. If you change any one thing, like I mentioned before, like, if this was played in Las Vegas, USC wins. You know, like... It's in the Coliseum, USC wins. Uh, I mean, a whole bunch of things, could you could still play it in, in Salt Lake City, and a whole bunch of small things could happen that goes USC's way and USC wins. You were like this close. You were controlling the game. Most people that were watching the game early on was just like, USC's going to run away with this one. Didn't happen. You know, a whole bunch of circumstances. Go for two at the end. All Like, pull out everything in the kitchen sink and just barely beat USC. That's why you're like, okay, you know, like, that sucks. That that happens. But if you played that game ten times, like you think that's going to happen, that that's not going to happen every time. You know, more often than not, USC is going to win that game. So I think you should feel better about it. Like I don't know if this one, you know, maybe you know because you still could have won with all that stuff, and it hurts. But I feel like you know, USC is still in control of their destiny, which is kind of a bad term because we've heard it a lot of times, but. They are. I mean, I, I think there's some weird scenario where if USC wins out, they don't go to the championship. But I think in almost any scenario, if USC takes care of business, wins their last four Pac-12 games, they're going to play for the championship. And uh, that's, you know, that's that's saying something. And then, you know, in Vegas, USC's probably going to be a favorite against, you know, it depends on what UCLA does and everything. But, you know, it's not like they're going to be a huge underdog to any of those teams. Uh, most likely be a favorite over him, I would guess, if USC wins out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Would you think this should be more painful knowing that you there's a silver lining and that you're probably a pretty good team just from checking out this game? Yeah, in that regard, it should be less painful that, okay, I know what this team is capable of. Just didn't get it this time. Came down on a coin flip. Didn't go our way. But this is a still good team and it's still a team that can beat pretty much anyone that we go up against on a Saturday. So in that regard, yeah, probably less painful, but the fact that they care that deeply is, is a good sign. Yeah. And I, I think the coin flip thing, it's just sort of like, all right, well, you're going to flip a coin five times in a row. And if it comes up tails every time you lose, and that sort of feels like what happened, right? Like it's just a whole bunch of stuff had to happen, but you don't feel bad. You're like, okay, every time we flip a coin, it's going to come up tails now. No, like it's, <laughs> that's probably not going to happen every time, but it did in this one. And, uh, but, you know, you feel pretty good about the position you were in. And if you had to play again, you'd feel pretty good. Like, all right, I think we know where we are. And uh, you can do you know do some good things. All right, we've got a couple more. Eric and Duck Country. 
Ryan Chris, first, uh, do you think despite Saturday's loss that Lincoln Rally should win a Coach of the Year award? Mm. It's going to be hard because of – I would assume you're referring to like the Pac-12 because national – I think you could you could have him in there as like one of the finalists, but what Tennessee's doing is probably the leader in that clubhouse. Yeah, he's beat Alabama. Yeah, even James Madison was looking really good their first year in FBS kind of deal before you know the fighting Clay Helton's ruined that a little bit. But if Lincoln Riley gets that team that wins the Pac-12 and gets them you know in that fourth spot for a college football playoff, I think that was that's where it would have to to end up for him to be a like the runner-up or the finalist or even win it, just because, as we mentioned several times, this team won four games last year. So I think that is what it would have to be. They have to win the Pac-12 and at, at very least go to a New York uh, New Year's Eve, a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, and I, I think the problem is that Lincoln Riley won't get enough credit for building the team the way he did, which is pretty unique. Uh, in year one, I think you just assume like USC's got talent. So when you're like super talented, like Pete Carroll wasn't, you know, once USC was rolling, like Pete Carroll's not going to win coach of the year because you just assume they're going to be good. I feel like he's getting that sort of a bum rap. Like, but you have to look at it. He did take over four and eight team and he put the roster together a way that no one's ever done a, a roster before. And if they win the Pac 12, like you should get the, co- he should be the coach of the year, at least in the Pac 12. Um, but I think you're going to get, you get like the Nick Saban treatment, right? Or, you know, was Michael Jordan, why wasn't he winning the MVP every year? Like there's things like that. You're just like, there's voter dudes fatigue. You, yeah. You, there's dudes, you know, are good. And Lincoln Riley, you knew he's good. And you knew that USC has all his talent, but he put this together. So he needs to get credit for that. So if they are able to make a run, I think he should get uh consideration there. And then what about a shout out to Susimi Namora? The dude lays the wood whenever he's on the field. Thanks from Eric. Yeah, Tua CV is a hitter, as I like to say. Big hitter. Polynesian guy, so you know he's, he knows how to bring the hit stick. So you can yeah. see the hair flowing. Yeah, absolutely. And just an incredible stick. Biggest tackle of his life on that third and one. We'd be talking about it a lot more if they had held on for, for a stop there, but Still a big tackle and a big moment. Even though yeah, people no. were like, they should have let him score, but can't really tell a defender not to do that. You know, it's like no. against their nature to like not let you score. Yeah, number 44. Like, I think the the clock was mismanaged there. And unfortunately, USC's best defensive play was probably one of the worst for the outcome. Like, they, it would have just been better to let him score right then and not waste all the time and, and give Caleb Williams more of a chance to uh, to get down the field. But yeah, that, that's sort of it's another thing. It's like USC's best defensive play, that was that was probably it, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe the, the tackle. I mean, the uh, fumble. But like, Or the pick that should have been. The pick that should have been. But that defensive play hurt USC. <laughs> so it was like it's your best play didn't help you. Like it didn't help you win the game. It actually hurt your chances of winning the game by making that stop. Um, we got one last one. Cappy from Duarte. Uh, not the start of the hornet's nest, but what are your views on the DJs at the football games? Uh, too much, too little, or just right? Can you repeat that last part? Too much, too little, or just right, a part of the DJ. So he's talking about DJ Moski. Uh, I, I don't want to come off like a hater, but DJ Moski's just like not my my thing, and that's fine. I mean, 
I think it's I would say it's a little much, mainly at basketball games. Football games is a little different just because it's a bigger environment. It's outdoors. The, the when I cover basketball games is when it, it's really not my thing. But I think it's fine at at uh, football games because that's sort of what it call that environment calls for that having that sort of that energy. And he's right there in front of the student section, so or right beside them, whatever. But yeah, I would probably lean towards a little too much, but that's just me. That's just me. I can't believe you're such a hater. Um, I, pr- I I started this out by saying that I know this sounds a lot as hater, but I'm just... I'm not a huge... I mean, like, if he came up to me and said, hey, let's go get a beer and chat, like, I'd probably like the guy, you know, like... Probably. We, you know, and I probably wouldn't say anything. I don't really say anything bad about him, but it's not my cup of tea either. And, you know, I'm an older dude. I'm older than Chris. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the target audience for what he's doing. I don't like taking away from anything that the band does at football games. And I think some of what he does, does that. And that was sort of a department decision where they're trying to, and you know, they're trying to reach a younger demographic. Um, I'd rather have the traditional stuff, but that's just me. Like that's not who they're trying to appeal to and all this, but sometimes it feels weird. Like if you've ever gone to like a club that's maybe not the best club in the world. And it's like earlier on and there's not a whole lot of people there. And the DJ is saying stuff like, I want to see you stand up. Get your, and like you're, he's yelling at you. Like we're, it's like two in the morning and this place is going off, but it's not, you know, like, I think you got to change your tone a little sometimes. Uh, but I don't know if DJs always do that. It's just sort of like, you're always like on and you're like, look at the room. Like the, the room isn't on. Like, so it's hard to, you can't turn the room on if there's just not that many people there. And, I feel like that's what happens sometimes. I don't know, but it's not, you know, old guy yelling at clouds, not my cup of tea. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. And again, I just want to say, I, it's not, I'm not saying like, I don't like this person as a, as a person. Yeah. It's just my, I've never met him, but I would assume I'd like, yeah. Go I've, ahead, I've actually run into him a couple times up in the press box before, like I get there so early. And I, I, when I go up there, there's like nobody in there, but me and DJ Malski. like he's sat in like, uh, five chairs from me were eating in the press box together. He's a big dude. Like, he is a big dude. Like, looks like he could play, like, defensive line. So yeah. I should probably watch what I say about DJ Molsky is what I'm saying. Get on him. Um, it's funny. I think uh, some of the stuff – I think he has some good lines when he pulls up some of the students. And, like, you know, if they're wearing something weird or they do something, like, you know, when they're trying to whatever, you know, the different contests that they would have, if they – suck at shooting free throws or whatever it is like you know he has good crowd work yeah he has some funny lines in there um but yeah all right well that's all i got chris was there anything else you wanted to discuss before we go no i think i think i'm good we're over the hour mark so we're in danger zone oh danger zone um sweet okay well hope you guys enjoyed this uh episode of the peristyle podcast you can find all of our episodes uh, on any of the podcasting platforms, we've been around a long time since 2008, but all those episodes are up there. Uh, like I, th- I think over 1600 of them. We've got a ton uh, going up, but we'll do some more uh, this week. There'll be a composite two-star recruits podcast coming up with Chris, the healing, uh, not the healing boys, the uh, cilantro boys, Chris and uh, Gerard. So I know I took a week off from that. So jump in there, consume all of it during the bye week. Uh, we'll have more reports from practice on Wednesday. 
Like I said, no tunnel vision show on Thursday. We might do one on Sunday night, even though there's no game, maybe sort of like a mid season, a little past mid season uh, recap of, of what's going on, but go from there. And then, you know, following the bye week, it's a road game uh, at Arizona. So we'll kind of be all focused on pointing towards that. So for Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.